Super Bowl commercials are great. Most people look forward to those. But my favorite are the local business commercials that I grew up with on WTVA and WCBI. And so the one that, uh, and apparently they had to change the name of it because the Mississippi State Administration took issue with it and came wanting a licensing fee. But Dossett Big Four Automobile Dealership in Tupelo, Mississippi would have the annual Rebel Bulldog sale. And so apparently the Ole Miss salesman were pitted against the, the Mississippi State salesman, and whoever won at the end got the big prize. And so they would always say, the winner eats steak and the loser eats beans. And apparently you had to eat cold beans out of a can. So there was something big at stake, not only getting the prize, but you sort of got the punishment if you didn't, uh, didn't follow through. And it seemed like on a lot of these commercials, not so much that one, that there were sort of these three unspoken rules. You need to say a lot really fast, which doesn't go well for Southern talkers like me, you have to say it really loud, and you have to say something that sort of guarantees you're going to be glad you did business with us, or you're going to get more than you even bargained for. So Pap's Place in Ackerman, Mississippi, are you familiar with that? It's kind of like the Mama Hamels of the Golden Triangle area. And so you had, I guess it was the husband and wife and maybe a brother that were on the commercial. And the mama was dressed up as Minnie Pearl sometimes. And so one time, the husband said, Minnie, what we got on the bar tonight? Now, she didn't say that it's fast on that one. But on the next one, she said, Howdy! I'm just so proud to be in Ackerman, Mississippi, where you'll find the best doggone whole catfish, catfish fillets, barbecue ribs, fried shrimp, chicken and dumplings, chicken spaghetti, eight different vegetables, seven different desserts, and a salad bar. <laughs> and then, and then she, she said this, though. She said, remember, everyone special that comes to Paps, Jesus Christ is Lord. Take it away, Brother Catfish. And I guess, like I said, I guess he was the brother. He was dressed up in the catfish mascot. And he said, we're not here to rob you, honey. We're just here to fill your belly. Then Paps said, finger licking good. Now, maybe the, the classic, though, is the pre premier Ford Lincoln Mercury in Columbus, Mississippi. And Bill Russell You'd have new ones all the time. He'd be on the lot. He'd be pointing this way and that way. He said, I got a Ford F-150 for $15,900. I got a, a Ford Crown Victoria for $19,900. Now, remember, this is about 20 years ago, so those prices sound really good right now. <laughs> and then I'd forgotten of this. Apparently, he would say, y'all come see us at Premier Ford Lincoln Mercury. And then they always kept the same closing sound bite, and it's him and his little salesman cubicle inside. He said, I don't lie to you. He was given his guarantee. Well, God's given his guarantee. He's saying his howdy. He says, behold, let me get your attention because I've got something to offer you that's almost too good to be true. It's not to be missed good news that you need. And so, but before we can get to the good news, he has to really remind them of the bad news. The covenant Lord is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to two halves of his previously originally united covenant people, Israel and Judah. And he is saying basically in essence to them, you relationship-breaking people, you need a brand new relationship with me, the Lord God. And the reality is, is you can't do anything about this need by yourself. It takes an inside job done by me, an outside party. And this must, must be a dramatic intervention that I, that I make in your life. And even though it's true that they can't really do anything about this themselves, they are still nevertheless accountable and responsible for the mess that has been made in this relationship. 
So the Lord who speaks to Israel and to Judah here is a God of intimate, personal relationship. This is a God who has intended from the beginning that his human creatures would have an intentional, close, and committed relationship that comes as a free gift, a free gift in creation, and then ultimately after things have been blown up, it comes as a free gift in salvation from the hand of God. And this is ultimately some of the things that we mean by when we say the word covenant. The Bible tells the story of God's relationship. At creation, we see a God who forms Adam and Eve for intimate relationship with himself and also with one another. We see God and people speaking with each other in intimate terms, listening back and forth to each other and responding to each other. Before the fall, we see this interrelating that's going on between God and humans, and it was a pure joy. There was nothing that messed it up. This relating and then all the serving and the other responsibilities that go to carry out and express and support this relationship, they, these are the, this is the very essence of life. And yet sometimes we, we make things that are side stories or things that are against what God has for us to be the essence of life. But here it is, to live a truly human life in this world is to live in and to enjoy a right relationship with God and then a right relationship with one another that always is rooted in and flows out of right relationship with God. But unfortunately, the very early plot line of God's relationship story, we have this tragic downward turn. And many of the chapters in God's ongoing story of relationship throughout the Bible is basically instances of fresh breaking of the relationship or things that demonstrate that the relationship is broken. Genesis 2 through 3 provides that background and that setting for us for that first big break that really then feeds and stands behind all the other breaks. Living in a close and committed relationship with God is first a gift, but it's a gift that comes with responsibilities. When we reject those responsibilities that go along with the relationship, we end up trashing the relationship. We end up trashing the gift. The Lord told Adam, you may remember, that you may eat of any of the trees in the garden but one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God actually commanded Adam not to eat of that one tree and then declared the negative consequences if he did break that commandment. And what do we see? We see Eve and then Adam unfortunately choosing the path of rebellion and disobedience. They immediately began to experience the negative consequences of that choice. Anxiety, shame, alienation with God and one another disrupted that sense of relationship that they were supposed to have. But the covenant Lord did not abandon his image bearers. While certainly he was holding them accountable, he began to intervene. While Adam and Eve's sin had far-reaching consequences that led to situations like that which preceded the flood story in Genesis 6 through 9, and it's expressed in the Tower of Babel story in Genesis 11 and in so many other stories, the Lord was continuing, nonetheless, to reach out and to act to fulfill his relationship purposes with us. And we see this, the Lord, he established multiple covenants with individuals and then ultimately with the nation of Israel, that nation that he birthed through the promises that he had given to, to Abraham. So we see the Lord making covenant with Noah to not again bring a flood that would destroy the whole earth as he had up to that time. Then we see the Lord making and confirming covenant promises with Abraham in several phases, it seems. Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, Genesis 22. Ultimately, these covenant promises promised that God was going to make a great nation. He was going to give them a land to dwell in so that he could then bring 
blessings to all the families of the earth. And so we see these promises begin to be fulfilled in a major way as the children of Abraham go down into Egypt and then they begin to expand into a great nation. And after they come under the oppression of Pharaoh, God comes in and he delivers them in a mighty way. and He brings them out to Mount Sinai where he's going to now bring this whole nation into an expanded covenant with him. This is the climactic event that the Lord highlights here in this speech through Jeremiah where he says this, the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we're born for relationship with this God, born for intimate relationship with God. And here's God's covenant people getting in on this first major installment of God's plan of redemption to restore that relationship. And yet, we have the story here in Jeremiah 31, God himself telling the story that God's own covenant people have again broke the covenant and therefore broken the relationship. It's been pointed out, though, it's not simply just this looking at the one break of relationship, that there's ultimately a, a, a more ultimate problem that's revealed here. It's not simply that Israel and Judah broke the covenant relationship. The reason behind that repeat, repeated violation and breaking relationship is that they and all humanity are fundamentally broken. There's a condition there. There's a change that must happen. We need to be made brand new so that we can live in a brand new relationship of closeness and commitment to God. And so, howdy! Good news! In this short passage, I want to say to you that let's hear it like Miss Minnie. God's saying a whole lot real fast, and I think he's saying it real loud and with real excitement. The bad news is not the main message, although it's an important part of the message. No, the main message is this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. The covenant Lord is promising to make a brand new relationship for notorious relationship breakers, Israel and Judah. The Lord is through grace offering to make a covenant, establishing a close and committed relationship all over again. Brand new. It was going to be brand new because it was going to be in some amazing way different in kind than the one that had gone before, as great as that was. The covenant Lord wants a relationship with his people that is close and committed. So what does this covenant offer to bring that about? Here's the first part, and it actually comes at the very end of the passage. The Lord says, I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. That's verse 34. The Lord will give you and me a brand new relationship to us relationship breakers by giving us a cleaned slate. The reality is, is that sin, no matter how great or small, makes it impossible to, uh, for us to live in close fellowship with God. It breaks the relationship. It puts us at a distance. But the covenant-making Lord is able to bridge this wide chasm that separates God and his people to offer forgiveness, to give forgiveness that actually changes that situation, for the slate to be cleaned. And that's really good news. But in the words of another ad advertisement, there's more. The covenant Lord is not simply in the slate cleaning business. He's going to also be in the heart changing business. Listen to what he shouts. Verses 33 through 34, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, 
and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. The Lord's doing an inside job, brothers and sisters. His covenant people are going to know who he is. They're going to know what he wants because he will impart and inscribe his law on their hearts and in their minds, and they will be able both to desire and to act out in harmony with God's revelation of himself, his character, and his will. His people will be able to live both close and committed to him in an intimate relationship, to know him in an intimate way, and to also be loyal to his character, to who he is, and what he asks of us. The Lord will give a brand new relationship to relationship breakers by also enacting a changed heart. You know, Mama Hamill not only said, howdy, Bill Russell didn't say, I won't lie to you, God says it too. He, notice how he says, declares the Lord, declares the Lord, declares the Lord. It begins, the start of the passage says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Do you know that in the book of Jeremiah, that phrase, the, the, the short part, declares the Lord, it comes over 150 times. And the fuller phrase, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, comes 15 times. You know, false testimony and false prophecy is a big deal in the Bible. You know, it'd be kind of crazy for the Bible to say, you know, God's going to get you if you're a false prophet. God holds you accountable for false testimony. And then the Bible itself to be sort of the biggest instance of that, the biggest uh, instance of hypocrisy. But no, if this is the real word of a real God speaking through a true prophet of God, we cannot ignore this message because it's to our eternal detriment if we don't. But the flip side of it is, if this is a real God who's speaking a real message to us, then we have real hope for all of the things that have gone wrong in, wrong in our lives that we need help for, the cleansing and the change that needs to happen. But that leaves a couple of questions unanswered. When and how will the covenant Lord make this new covenant that he's guaranteeing? This is how. In Jesus Christ... Where God has said through Jeremiah, the days are coming. In Jesus Christ, the days have come. The new covenant is fulfilled in the sacrificial, slate-cleaning, heart-changing death of his son, Jesus Christ. The Last Supper and the Lord's Supper in Luke 22 and in 1 Corinthians 11 make it clear that Jesus was establishing this new covenant through the shedding of his blood and his death on the cross. Listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of, the, of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Here is the key to that fresh start and that brand new relationship. Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
And then Paul says this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The blood of Jesus is the basis for this new covenant relationship, this clean slate and this new heart. But there's more. The prophet Ezekiel actually gives another piece of this. And he tells us something else that's important to this new covenant. And it's especially the key to the changed heart. Listen to what he says in Ezekiel chapter 36. God's saying a lot fast, and he's saying it loud again. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will, what? Put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone, that relation-breaking stony heart, from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my capital S spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. The gift of the Holy Spirit to change hearts, too, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. For we are told plainly, in the Gospel of Matthew and in the other Gospels, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Christ gives to relationship breakers a brand new relationship where there's a clean slate and a changed heart so we can live in a close relationship with God, but also a committed relationship with God. Now, we may be saying, "How are we cheating when we apply this to us? Wasn't he giving that message to Israel and Judah? But the reality is, is that when we look at the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said to us that, yes, he began his ministry only going, as he said, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But that was so he could restore them first so that then they could fulfill their proper function with the rest of the world, sharing those blessings that God had talked about to Abraham. And so Jesus actually closes the Gospel of Matthew saying this, make disciples of all nations, which included Israel, Restored, but also now included all the nations that God wanted to bring blessing to. So it includes us. So where are each of us today? With this, the Lord's gift of a brand new relationship. Maybe some of us, if we honestly came before God today, we say, I've never really received that for the first time. It's a gift, and he's ready to give it to you today. Maybe some of us would say, you know what? I've received that before, but if I'm honest with you, I need a major reboot. I need a major reset. I need a major renewal of my covenant of grace through Jesus Christ. That gift is offered to you today. And maybe for some of us, we need to just relish this more deeply, hold it more preciously, and continue to grow in this covenant relationship that we already have and we've been living out faithfully, even if not perfectly. The blood of Jesus is here. The power of the Holy Spirit is here to take us wherever we are today. I came across, um, somebody shared a video testimony with me this week. And I confess it's a very sensitive testimony. And I'm going to try to share it sensitively. But it shares the story of Dr. Dr. Steve Hammond. And it it shares beautifully about how after a, a, a deep realization of the things he had done wrong in his life, he experienced the mercy of God. He shares his journey going through medical school and on into the performance of a certain controversial procedure. And he shared about how his general cultural background at the time, particularly the, the life that he was, uh, the culture he was experiencing in the university, 
but then also at at least certain aspects of the medical community sort of led him down this pathway to, to think about this practice as being acceptable. And yet, he says in his own words, he sort of practiced this in a sort of an emotionally detached sort of procedural way. But then there was an unanticipated circumstance after he'd been going along this pathway for quite a while. And the pre-screening that they usually did before doing this procedure, uh, it was miscalculated. And suddenly he experienced something in the midst of that that he had never experienced before. And it really shook him. It was a life-changing moment that sort of changed, changed his life uh, over a long period. And it kind of led him to a place where he realized he was living sort of a bipolar existence. On the one hand, he was experiencing his own growing and expanding family. Yet he, he was beginning to become convinced he was involved in something that sort of fundamentally contradicted the thing that he was experiencing at home with his own family. And that that would ultimately be reinforced later as he walked along and experienced the premature birth of one of his own children who started out at a little over two pounds and then went down to less than less than two pounds, and he was clinging to life. And yet, thankfully, he, he got to see that child grow strong and to, to grow up and live um, a very normal and healthy life. But this was a turning point that led him first to an ethical and practical change and then ultimately led him on a spiritual journey of redemption where he returned to his childhood faith. And as you watch this man in the video, deeply humble and yet at the same time deeply confident in the mercy of Jesus to take him right where he was and to redeem his life. And so his testimony was basically, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you think it is. I'm telling you my story, and I'm telling you what Jesus has done for me. And if you'll just come to him and get with him and say, Lord, would you please have mercy on me? I think he'll do for you what he had done for me. I share these words of Jesus that I love from Mark chapter 3, verse 28. Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. The challenge for us today is to simply take whatever it is, how bad it may seem, how acceptable it may seem, and come to him and call on his name and say, Make me new, Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence, to hear that you will make with us relationship-breaking people a brand-new relationship. We thank you that you'll clean our slate. We thank you that you'll change our hearts. And so we ask that you do that now. Wherever we are today, whether it's for the first time, whether it's a major renewal and return to you, or whether it's just growing more, we pray, Lord, that you do. You'd hear our prayers as we call on you through the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, apply your blood to us and please fill us with your Holy Spirit that we can walk out of this place renewed. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, amen.